Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. We share their stories so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine as well. I'm super excited to have Erin Hottenstein. It's Hottenstein. I like to call her Erin Hot, but it's Erin Hottenstein as our guest today. Erin is an integral part, if not the leader, uh, the leading factor of an amazing group called Colorado 5050. Erin, welcome today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, does anybody else call you Erin Hot for short? <laughs> well, that's my Twitter handle, so, uh, so ah. I understand why you're thinking of it. Good, good, good. Well, um, very good to have you here. I love what you do. I can't wait for the audience to hear more about Colorado 5050. So tell us a little bit about yourself first off, and then we'll go into a little more about Colorado 5050. All right, sounds good. So I started my career as a professional journalist. I was in radio and then television and then newspapers. And while I was doing that, I also started teaching a couple of classes on the side called The Power of Self-Esteem and The Power of Purpose. So after some time, I just shifted over into training, and that's what I do now. I'm a corporate trainer for public speaking for the professional, and I also teach presentation skills and personality styles. That is wonderful. I relate to that as well. I love corporate training and professional speaking. Um, it's great that you're focused on confidence building and self-esteem. I know that studies show women suffer a lot from that. We you know, don't own our story. We don't bring our whole selves to the workplace or, you know, I love that you're doing that. We need more people out there doing that. So good for you. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Colorado, or a lot actually, about Colorado 5050? Sure, I'd love to. Colorado 5050, I founded it two and a half years ago. It, we just, I came to a day when I just couldn't stand it anymore. And my answer to my discomfort was that we needed more women in office. And so I literally on that day, started calling up my friends and saying, we need more women in office and let's figure out a way to do it. And will you help me? Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's what we did. Uh, we had our first event called winning with women in May of 2017 in 2017. And it was a panel discussion of elected women officials followed by networking. And we've had um, many events since then. The, the real focus is to demystify the process of running for office and to get women on a path to leadership. And so we are also encouraging women to apply for boards and commissions. Very nice. Let me ask you, do you use your skill set with um, the self-esteem building and confidence building to help these women in their bids? I do, especially when I have personal conversations with women who are thinking about running or candidates I you know those are those are themes that definitely come up in those conversations yeah it takes a lot of grit and grace and courage to run for office and especially in the day of digital age and social media it can be really tough 
and you know bots and so forth and so on so you've got to really love yourself first so that others can love you too um, what has been so far i mean i'm sure colorado 5050 is up there what has been so far your proudest accomplishment would it be that i yeah i would say that and also i'm I'm really proud of the fact that we've had almost 450 people at our events over wow. this period of time. Oh so, yeah, it's, it's, we've had many events. I can't remember what we're up to now, um, nine or 10 or 11 or something like that. So, uh, and they've all just been opportunities where women who, you know, maybe they're just barely even thinking about, you know, do they want to get involved? they get to mingle with and talk with and ask their questions of elected women officials who have been super supportive and, you know, totally willing to, uh, in essence, pay it forward and, you know, encourage that next wave of women's leadership. Wow. Wow. Can you tell us what your event looks like from start to finish, like the, the flow of it? Um, it sounds like an it's in, interesting, you know, the mission for sure and the purpose, absolutely. But what does the event look like? If I attend your event, what will I experience? Sure. Winning with Women is, so we're coming up on our fourth one. Our next one is October 4th, which is a couple of Fridays from now at the University of Denver. And that one looks like we open with a sponsor table so people have a chance to arrive, maybe enjoy some light refreshments and see what kinds of uh, groups, you know, what the different groups or businesses are doing to support women running. And then we go into the panel discussion, which is about an hour, which is a really nice long time for folks to, to have their questions answered. And the way we do that is that um, they write their questions down on cards and then the cards come to me. I, I moderate and I ask the questions of the elected women officials. And what's really great about it, besides it being a whole hour, which is that, you know, you really get to take a deep dive in an hour. Yeah. And we, what's fascinating though, is that you hear the stories, like how did you decide to run for office? And you get to hear their story. And this is maybe not something that you usually read in a newspaper or something right. like that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I think yeah. that women engage in storytelling, um, and when they do, I think we get captivated. It's, you know, you get, you see a lot of yourself in their stories because we've experienced some of these same things and we can relate more than what you might read in a newspaper where it's just the basics, the bones of who you are, what you do. I love the stories. And I think um, you said it's very interactive. That's important too. It's not just talking heads. So that's fantastic. Um, tell yeah. me what 50-50 means in Colorado 50-50. So 50-50 refers to gender parity. We'd like to see gender parity in everywhere, <laughs> actually. Specifically <laughs> in, elect in elected office and on boards and commissions. When we first started, we started looking around. And for example, we we looked at our county that we were living in. and you know, there was not gender parity, not by a long shot on the boards and commissions. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe women don't think about that when they're 
getting on a path to leadership that, you know, that is one way to dip your toes in the water is to go, you know, maybe it's hard to get on the planning and zoning commission, but there are other, you know, the parks board or the parking board or the cultural facilities board or whatever it is. There, there are lots of ways to get involved and to start knowing who else is involved in your city and, you know, just kind of how things run and things like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I think that a lot of us don't even think about how with so few women in positions of power and influence, there's, you know, gosh, taxation without representation, you know, like everybody's speaking white male. And those of us who don't speak white male, we struggle to navigate within that operating system. And it's time for change. And I love what you're doing because for so many reasons. But one is because um, you are not giving a hat tip to women who fight other women for the very few positions that are available. You are actually changing the system so that more positions are available to women. Uh, that's how we rise together. And that's how it should be. Um, I really, really, I mean, everybody who knows me, even just my persona through the podcast knows, I absolutely have no tolerance for mean girl behavior. I mean, we're hurt. you hurt one woman, you hurt every woman. So I love that you are, you know, busting down the wall and breaking the ceiling and paving a path for women to actually um, create a world that's by women, for women and men. Um, you know, so I think that's fantastic. This is a bold move on your part. I'm glad to see that you've had four years of success and, you know, whatever I can do beyond share your message, let me know. I would love to help you to continue to be successful. I'm sure that you've had a mentor or an inspiration or maybe many. Can you tell us a little more about that person or those people? Yes, I, I thought, I was thinking about that question. And, and I realized I actually had two mentors very early on in college. And my first mentor was Susan Fernandez. And this was in Maryland. I was going to school, going to college in Maryland. And I was part of the Governor's Summer Internship Program. And I got assigned to the Department of Human Services under Susan Fernandez, who at, at the beginning of my internship was the director of the women's program. I can't remember the exact name of it, but then she became the legislative director. Anyway, Susan was amazing. It was like, I don't know how, but we just clicked like the first minute or two that we met and she taught me so much about um, <laughs> being a manager and getting things done and, you know, how to be a woman in that workplace. And so that was an amazing experience. And then my other mentor so wait, was Carol Tung, who was... Hang on. Oh, hang go on. ahead. Before you go into your next mentor, I want to ask, does she know what you're doing now with the skills that you learned under her tutelage? I don't know if she does. I tried to look her up on LinkedIn a couple of years ago, and I couldn't find her. So, gotcha. um, yeah, and since I'm in Colorado now and I lost touch with her, I, you know, I would love to reconnect with her. Susan, if you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, after the podcast, send me her info. I'll try to help track her down. Um, I have a huge network. Maybe. You never know. So yeah. um, she, she would be super proud of you. I'll just say that. 
And so now let's talk about Carol, your other mentor. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just thought, wouldn't that be neat if she knew how you turned out and that you're giving her credit? Yeah, she was a big influence. And so I, I have a lot of gratitude in my heart for her. Nice. Very nice. Uh, so my other internship was with Carol Tung, who was a member of the European Parliament. And it was actually both Carol Tung and her assistant, Hillary Lewis, and they were both mentoring me. But I just learned so much from her. Uh, so she was actually an elected official. And, you know, that, that during the time that I was um, working for her, I was, she was both at the European Parliament and running for re-election. And so it was just fascinating to get to see all that stuff up firsthand. And she was big, big on gender equity issues and, you know, speaking about it and being a real leader. And so I just, I just learned so much from her. Very nice. Very nice. I love that you recognized her uh, able assistant as well. Um, women at all levels can create change, not just ripples, but waves. I believe in that for sure. So this, yeah. is, this is fantastic what you're doing. I hope our audience before the podcast ends has a real clean, clear picture of the amazing change that you've implemented. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in Colorado or not, get on board that train. You know, that's, it's incredible. We, you know, it, it is again, one woman lifting other women. When we do right by one woman, we do right by all women. Um, so I, I'm so, I gravitate to people like you, Erin. So I'm super glad that we virtually met. Um, let me ask you, you know that I'm all about lifting women in business. What's a, a quick piece of advice, just something easy, everyone can apply it. They don't have to be in a CEO position or executive director position. What's one thing that you see needs to change? How can we, in our own small way, day-to-day, -day, lift other women? I recommend, and we recommend, that you look around and recognize the leadership in the women that are around you in your life. They might be, you know, your mom, your sister, your daughter, your niece. It could be a student, a coworker a colleague and because it's super important that we recognize that leadership and that we ask women to run for office. And there's some research out there. There's different pieces of research. I think there's a popular piece of research that says a woman needs to be asked to run seven times before she will run. And then there's some other research that says, well, actually there's no real magic number. Um, but I think the point is, is that women need to be asked to run for office multiple times. And so it is incumbent upon each of us, if we want more women in leadership, to recognize the leadership, you know, and express that like, wow, you know, you really did a great job of running that meeting. You know, have you ever thought about getting on a board or running for office? Like women need to hear that, like that kind of direct feedback that, you know, and that, um, data about that specific right. data about, you know, what you see in them that is, you know, not just you're a great leader, but you're a great leader because uh, this right. is what I saw. Right, right. There is research out there that it takes seven impressions before you can prompt someone to action. So I, I, I would imagine that is along the same lines. Um, I love that you're saying be specific. 
Like, don't just say, oh, you should run for office. You're, you're a great leader. What does that mean? What does great leader mean? What are the tactics that this woman puts in place that make you, make you think she'd be a great leader? And bring those to her attention because sometimes people like you, me, other women I know, we just do stuff. We get it done. We don't pay attention to every step along the way. We just see the goal at the end and we're just running to the goal line and just we do it. Um, but to be specific helps that person create and frame their message and their narrative around why they're running, what, what, you know, what they plan to do to make this world a better place. So I like that you, that you um, encourage us all to look at the woman next to you. And if you like something about her, say you should run and here's why I think you should run. That's very meaningful uh, advice. I also, you know, when I have podcast guests on and I ask that question, I mean, some of them say, you know, stop the gossip, stop the, you know, the little things that harm other women, you know, we don't realize it, but things like, uh, I read an article yesterday about you're having guests over and, you know, the woman is automatically relegated to serving the guests, the drinks and the food. That's done. Like we don't, you know, there's nothing broken about my husband's arms. <laughs> you know? uh, so, um, we should start to do the things that have been generally male and they should start to do the things that have been generally seen as female. And we should stop all this assigning, um, you know, gender to certain tasks. I know I can do almost anything my husband can do. Um, perhaps he's better at math than I, but um, other than that, you know, so I love that you're encouraging women to run. I've had people ask me to run before. And again, like you said, it didn't make a big impression. I was like, oh, thanks, moving on. But um, we do need that. We need more women to have the courage, especially in this sadly vitriolic atmosphere and divisive political landscape. I think women can come together because our nature is to collaborate, not to compete. So I think it would be a better landscape, you know, if we had more women running. I agree. And it, I mean, getting back to what you were saying about uh, the gossip, I think that gets a little bit to, and, and we all fall into this trap from time to time, the scarcity mindset. Yes. And it's, it's easy to look at the city council and say, well, there's seven seats there and there's only one mayor and, you know, that's, that's not very many. And so, you know, like somehow we have to scratch and claw our way up to the top or something like that. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, is that, that, okay, there, there are those seven positions, but across the state of Colorado, there are 4,000 elected offices. Wow. So, you know, like maybe- Opportunity galore. I know, like I was looking at a fire district one time that is not in my city, but the city next door. And they didn't have enough candidates. And so they didn't have an election. <gasps> like they, they basically stopped their election and just appointed somebody. The death of democracy for, right there. Right. I, that's a $6 million budget. Wow. And, and they did not hold an election. Let me ask you, know, you for, this, uh, about that on those same lines. You prompted this thought in my head. I think that courageous, smart, bright, hardworking people 
used to be eager and proud of elected office and used to be eager to run for office. But now I find that, you know, decent, hardworking, good, smart people are afraid to run for office. And I attribute it to the toxic bipartisan landscape in which we currently live. But what do you think um, it is? Like, I'm sure you hear that. Like, oh, I'd never run for office because of X. What is X? I would call it, uh, I think it's the toxicity, but it's not just the, um, the partisan rancor. It's also the, the trolls that we have on social media and that can be pretty hard to take at a low level. And then women have dropped out of races because of death threats. So, you know, that's the high level of it. Like that, like there's a whole spectrum of bad yeah. behavior there. So I, you know, I, I do think that the, the climate around um, being an elected office is hard, but I think it's always been hard because especially, I, I mean, you just have the spotlight on you all the time. And I think that was true in the past too. It's just, I think maybe now the spotlight's brighter because everything is, able to be shared on social media immediately (laughs) or you know show up later on a flyer and you're like what where'd that come from (laughs) totally distorted yeah so my husband was an elected official several times high level you know state level local level and he worked in u.s congress as well and i'll tell you he said i was always in a fishbowl and this was pre-social media so i can imagine how scary it might be especially for women who you know we want to protect our children, men want to protect their children too, but women want to protect their children from the viral hate that spreads so readily. It can be one seed of, of untruth that becomes an entire tree of lies. And that is hurtful and that is scary. And, you know, another thing I'd like to talk to you about is um, campaigns like mudslinging. And, you know, it's my belief that the media should provide campaign um, promotion that's lie-free, that's fact-based, and that's free of charge, that's part of our American way, so that you can't buy airtime just to sling mud and lie about a candidate who's opposing you to what I call and what Edward Bernays called the bewildered herd, people who don't check facts. They just believe whatever they're told and drink the Kool-Aid. I think the media has a role and a responsibility in fixing what's broken. What do you think? I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Very well said. Yeah. I I mean, I used to be a reporter and I covered elections and it is important to, you know, present information that is, you know, fair and not biased and, and it is also incumbent on those of us that are voters to do our best to educate ourselves. And I know this can be confusing, but I mean, in the end, you're talking about maybe spending an hour or two reading up on the candidates and issues that are going to be on the ballot. Like for us, we have an election on November 5th. We have school boards all across the state that are electing school board members. And then we have a few. Um, municipalities across the state that are holding elections and then we're going to also have some ballot issues that we need to know about but 
you know, I mean, you're talking about spending one or two hours to learn what you need to learn to make a somewhat educated vote. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everybody has a role in this democracy. You know, you can't, it, it, everybody has to do what they can if we want it to work. Sure. I agree. I agree. And it saddens me to think that people don't dig deeply enough. So I, I spent two and a half years on a project called Think, and it was about addressing propaganda versus primary sources and tracking the analytics of what drew more attention. And sadly, after two and a half years, the answer was clearly propaganda um, because people don't dig for, and it's, it's really sad that we have to dig for. It used to be, you know, investigative journalists, you could trust them, there were eyes on the ground, but now with media consolidation, we have maybe 10 giant media moguls that own not only the candidates' um, campaign funding, but the stories, the news, the message that goes out to the masses. And it's up to us. You're right. We have to be accountable for the message we take in and that we uh, do our homework to see, you know, is this a primary source? Is this a reliable, trustworthy source? Or is this owned by the same money that's paying for my opposition's campaign? Or, you know, I think that there's a lot that needs to be done on campaign finance. But I think that um, the first step comes with us, each individual voter, uh, checking the source, making sure. And then look, hey, if at the end of the day it aligns with you uh, personally and it aligns, it's understandable how you'd vote a certain way. But if you really have no clue about the issues and you are voting just because you, you drank the Kool-Aid or bought the, the bots message, or that's shame on you. You know, shame on us for not checking the facts. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny that you brought up campaign finance reform because two nights ago I watched Dark Money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Do and you track the, Dark Money and OpenSecrets.org? And FollowTheMoney.org. And, yeah. yeah and, and then we um, they did a Zoom call with the journalist in that story, John Adams, who founded the Montana Free Press. Wow. And, yeah, it was great because one of the things I really liked that he said was there is not one arbiter of the truth. Like you That's don't, have, you don't have to get all your news from one place. <laughs> you know, right? like there, <laughs> there are multiple worthy news sources out there. Right. So, so I used to work at Reuters and the thing is I would get all my news from Reuters and AP and um, try to be open about that because it's straight off the wire versus the homespun fun stuff that we now see coming out of network television or network television, so-called news. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, that's awesome. So I have not seen that. I, that's on my list of things to do this week now. <laughs> <laughs> so tell yeah, good. It's a great movie. And I liked it because uh, it was about Montana. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, not that far away. <laughs> so. Right. And not far from me either, kind of in the middle of between us. Yeah. Um, so tell me what has been a big challenge or setback for you and how did you overcome it? My, my viewers, listeners, uh, attendees love to hear that part because it makes you more relatable to them and their lives and they can learn lessons from you that they impart in their daily lives. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. So the challenges I've been having in recent years are pretty personal and confidential and, and as 
and they're not exactly my challenges. They're challenges that have been indirect. Like I've been helping somebody else through something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, that's a little bit harder, but I think, I mean, one of the challenges I think that we're up against right now is changing the conversation around women. And that is something that I think we're all facing every day, but definitely because I'm working on the social media for Colorado 50-50 and, you know, meeting lots of people and stuff like that, that I run into it, which is the everyday sexism. Like people, people believe that women aren't leaders, like people you know, don't think that so-and-so is electable. Like this, this conversation that we've been having over the last six months about electability, which um, just drives me crazy because um, it's specifically about the women presidential candidates, they have all been elected, you know, multiple times. Right. <laughs> they, they, clearly they're electable because they were elected. So that's just that sort of, you know, it's, it's like, that is the challenge that I think we're, I'm up against and we're up against is that, you know, you have people talking about things like electability and they don't come out and say, oh, hey, by the way, I'm being totally sexist right now. You know, like, right, right. Just, well, they don't realize that. So, so here's the sexist thing. undercurrent to, to what totally. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up. It's not funny. It's sad. Funny slash not funny um, that you bring that up. Um, so when I travel and I do my workshops and my talks, I address that underlying um, assumption that women don't lead, can't lead just because they communicate and lead differently than men. It looks to men like it's not leadership. And those people out there, those women out there who have, um, bought into in order to succeed we must mimic men they too hurt other women by saying oh she can't lead well you know what this is leadership when we're collaborative when we seek input from others when we um say oh i think i have the solution tell me where i'm wrong or fill in the gaps or did i miss anything that's good transformational leadership that's leading with eq what most traditional leaders think of as leadership is that's not leadership. Oh, she's indecisive. She's seeking validation from others. She's not ready. She's not able to get the um, new job done, or she shouldn't get the raise, promotion, pay that you know she thinks she should because she can't lead. Well, the truth of the matter is that's very much leadership, being collaborative and communal and including others on your team in the ultimate solution. That is not a sign of weakness. But men all over who don't lead that way, they're very um, Here's the, here's the solution. Everybody take their piece, go do it, delegate, done. They think that's what leadership looks like. Hey, it's a form of leadership, but it's not the only way to lead. And women absolutely have it in them to lead transformationally. And I, I think that you're talking about what, what we call muted group theory. It's when women and other minorities struggle to navigate within the operating system that the white man has created. So think about it. The history of this country, all the major corporations were created by white men. So the bylaws, the governing uh, statements, the dictates, they're all in the language of the white man. So we're coming along and saying, hey, I speak Italian, you speak French, both are valid. 
Just because we don't speak the same language doesn't mean I'm less able to lead. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. So people don't realize that. And, I, and it bothers me. You can tell I get a little hot under the collar. When women say, oh, she's not ready or she's not electable or she, why? I ask why. I'm the troublemaker, the dissenter that always says, why? Do you ask why, Erin? Do you ask them, why do you say that? Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> you probably annoy a few people with that, but good. Keep on keeping on. Keep asking why. This is like a company that won't hire someone because they say she just doesn't fit in here. Really? Why? She meets all the requirements for the job. Why does she not fit in? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. You got me going, Erin. Exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. I need to cool down. I need a sip of water. <laughs> cool my jet. Well, yeah, you know, it's uh, I, we get a little bothered when we're hit with this this kind of bias and I you know it's it's sad too because there's so much humanity there's there's so many experiences and uh, capabilities and you know there's so much out there that I feel like we're not taking advantage of whether you're a woman or a person of color or you know you've got different abilities or you know whatever is the situation like if we could break away from the old way of thinking we would discover we have a massive potential and you know i just think it's amazing what we could create and we are starting to create and thank goodness you know we're getting out of those old ways of thinking but not fast enough for me. <laughs> well, you're leading the way. I'm super impressed by you, with you. Um, I'm so honored to be what I call your virtual friend. I would love, if it weren't October 4th, so around the corner, I would love to hop on a plane, get over there and see you in action and see what Colorado 50-50 is all about uh, firsthand, experience the energy in the room, women can move mountains we can move the moon we you know i just would love to be there and see it happen and feel the energy um i cannot but maybe another event i would be able to make it and love to meet you uh in person um yeah that would so, be great yeah and and one thing about the challenge that you may um have overcome so I love that you address the fact that it's it's personal and even though you didn't share what it is, a lot of women out there go through personal things that sometimes are not in their control. And that's the hardest challenge when you can't fix it. Like it's not something you can, um, you know, alter the outcome. You just have to sit with it. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. Um, what is something that is surprising about you that maybe I know most of my listeners wouldn't know, but maybe people in your circle might not know either that you'd like to share. Well, I think a lot of people don't know that I went to China and I taught English. Oh, wow. You just keep getting better and better, Erin Hot. <laughs> that is awesome. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a great experience. When was this? 2002 nice very nice yeah. what made it great i'm sorry what made it great what made it a great experience i really wanted to immerse myself 
uh, in the culture and, you know, in that country. And so I got to do that. I was living in a northeastern province called Liaoning. So it's northeast of Beijing. And I did not want to go to Beijing or Shanghai because I didn't want to find myself hanging out with Westerners all the time. Right. I get it. And so at that time, Liaoning, um, uh, well, actually I was in Shenyang. Shenyang had 7 million people and, and I was at a, a technical college where they had an English language institute. And so I, I just really loved being immersed in the culture and making Chinese friends and getting to go, you know, um, visit different places around China and um, learn a little bit of Chinese, which I have now forgotten. <laughs> um, eat a lot of Chinese food. And, you know, it was, it was just really wonderful. And I loved my students also. That was, uh, that was really great to connect with them. I love that. I love that. So, so few people do that. And I encourage global travel and you did, you totally immersion, you know, you lived there. That's amazing. I think that um, if you've ever studied Geert Hofstede and his cultural dimensions uh, mapping, he talks about how we get out of our individualistic Western way of thinking and living and we go see the world and experience the world. And you lived it. You see how others, at least in the Eastern uh, culture, they're very open and very, um, you know, in Hawaii, they use the word ohana. So uh, it's very a broad, a broad collective, if you will. Like, um, you know, you welcome others. Here we're very, and I think in this political climate, we are as well more individualistic and, than, than most countries. So kudos to you, bravo. Thank you for bringing back lessons learned and experiences you now tell about. I think that's awesome, awesome. Well, my last question is, if people want to know more about you or Colorado 5050 or your training or corporate speaking, um, how do they reach you? So to reach Colorado 5050, we have a website, which is colorado5050.org. And that, upset, uh, that website is updated periodically, but where you will see us every day is on Facebook, and Twitter, and then occasionally on Instagram or um, picking up our activity on Instagram. But so we're trying to inspire women every day. So like you were saying, it's not just about Colorado, although we're featuring a lot of Colorado candidates right now, but, but generally speaking, we're, you know, running articles about um, women who are doing inspiring things. And so so even if you're not in Colorado, you're going to enjoy the Facebook and Twitter posts. And then, um, so if you want to email me, I'm Erin at Colorado5050.org. My uh, professional work is at publicspeakingfortheprofessional.com. So you can also email me at Erin at publicspeakingfortheprofessional.com. Very nice. <laughs> and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, so you can find us there if you need a public speaking coach or you'd like to take my self-esteem class or anything like that. 
Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to promote the heck out of you. I think what you do is great in every aspect, personally and professionally with your business and with Colorado 5050. Um, I will also folks seek, sink all of this information she just gave the contact info into the blog. So you will see it in writing and have it at your fingertips. Um, should you wish to read the blog and listen to the podcast uh, as well. So, Erin, it's been my pleasure having you. I'm so excited that I've made a new friend in you, and I can't wait to get out to Colorado to see you in action. If you are ever in San Francisco or the Bay Area, please let me know beforehand, and we will make your visit one to remember. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I hope we get to meet in real life sometime, because I know we've got a lot of synergy. We will. We will. I have a couple folks in Colorado that I'd love to introduce you to, so stay tuned. All right, I will. All right, folks, thank you for listening today. And Erin, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Sure. Have a good day, everybody.